is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I have a message for Merrick Garland, the putative Attorney General of the United States. We, the American people, we, parents and taxpayers, we're not going to be intimidated by you. We're not going anywhere. We will continue to attend school board meetings, hopefully by the millions. We will make demands of our elected officials who use our tax dollars and have our children in their classrooms. We are not servants of the National Education Association, the American Federation of Teachers. We are not servants of school board administrators and superintendents. We're not servants of the Democrat Party and the radical American Marxists who push their crap, their critical race theory, their genderism, and their attacks on the founding of this nation, our economic system, to brainwash our children. We wrongly surrendered our colleges and universities, and we need to claw them back too. But we will be damned, damned, if we're going to pay for the demise of our own families, our own faith, and our own country. We're paying for supposed professionals to teach our children mathematics, literature, English, perhaps another language, science, technology. We're not paying confiscatory salaries, pensions, and medical benefits, and providing tenure damn near lifetime jobs to individuals who seek to bring their politics, the politics of this administration, into the classroom. We will not tolerate this. We know what this memo from Merrick Garland is all about. It's not about confronting violence. It's about quieting, silencing parents and taxpayers. It's about devouring local communities. It's about federalizing school boards and school systems, and we will not put up with it. 
The only violent organizations that I'm aware of are Black Lives Matter and Antifa. The only violent organizations that I'm familiar with are on the left. And if some are on the right, we have nothing to do with them. Nothing. Zero. Merrick Garland said absolutely nothing when our cities and towns were burning, when police were under attack, when innocent citizens were brutalized and murdered, when there's looting and arson. He said nothing. And his president, his president sat in his basement and gave them a pass. His vice president was busy supporting efforts to get them bail. How dare this man put out this memo? How dare this man politicize free speech in the Justice Department? If we want to challenge elected officials, not violence, peacefully, perhaps loudly, then damn it, that's exactly what we're going to do. And the idea that he intends to unleash the Federal Bureau of Investigation which has become a Stasi-like operation. The fact that he intends to unleash the criminal division of the Justice Department, the civil rights division of the Justice Department, the national security division of the Justice Department, and have a special phone number for anybody who feels threatened by a taxpayer or a parent to call. The same phone number you call if you think you are aware of a domestic terrorist is simply unacceptable in a free country. I don't know who the hell Merrick Garland thinks he is. But his totalitarian mindset and his totalitarian behavior are simply unacceptable. You intend to send FBI agents to interview parents and taxpayers? This is a cabal. Talk about collusion, a cabal of the Democrat Party teachers unions, of the Democrat Party board members, of the Democrat Party superintendents, of the Democrat Party Department of Justice. We know in this country that violence is tolerated by this Justice Department from Black Lives Matter and Antifa and that type of organization, those ilk of organizations. We know that violence is tolerated by this administration. The murder rate is through the roof. And where's the FBI? Where's the Civil Rights Division? Where are all of them? They tolerate violence, all right. It's free speech they hate. Free speech, because American Marxism does not tolerate speech. Whether it's big tech or big media, or big government. Dissent is not permitted. Different viewpoints are not permitted. We are not going to surrender our classrooms to the teachers' union thugs, to the superintendents, to the Department of Justice. You're screwing around with the wrong people. The idea that they would suggest that we are domestic terrorists The idea to suggest that there's systemic criminality going on at these board meetings when they can't even point to a single example 
The idea that the federal law enforcement of the Department of Justice has any authority in our classrooms, in our board meetings, in our school districts is unacceptable. Period. We are not servants. We do not just pay taxes and told what to do. We are citizens. We are treated like second-class citizens, unlike illegal aliens. Unlike people who, who are on the dole. Unlike politicians and bureaucrats. The only police force they support, apparently, is in Washington, D.C. to protect the Capitol building. But all the other police forces are undermined. This same attorney general brought a frivolous lawsuit against the state of Georgia legislature trying to interfere with their federal constitutional authority to fix their election system. This same attorney general sought to interfere with the state of Texas and decisions that that state is making about abortion. This same attorney general defends every radical kook position of this administration. He does not represent the people of the United States in any respect. We parents, we grandparents, we taxpayers, we own this country. This is our country. We didn't cede it to bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. We didn't cede it to the critical race theory racists. We didn't cede it to the genderism model and the individuals who push it. We didn't cede it to the anti-capitalist mob. We ceded nothing. This October 4, 2021 memo from this Attorney General Merrick Garland is a disgrace. It is a disgrace. Five short paragraphs in which he intends to attack the First Amendment, in which he intends to attack federalism. No, no, this will not stand. Period. We're not going anywhere. More and more people should go to the school board meetings. Be peaceful and nonviolent. But you can be loud. They're worried about parents and taxpayers being loud. But they weren't worried about the Portland courthouse when Merrick Garland testified that it was not domestic terrorism to try and burn down the Portland courthouse, a federal courthouse, because... It was closed at night and people weren't there. That's Merrick Garland. That was his testimony. That's not domestic terrorism. They're not hunting down the members of Antifa. They're not hunting down the members of Black Lives Matter. They're not hunting down nationalist separatist organizations. No. Parents. Law-abiding, tax-paying parents with their flesh and blood in the classroom, trying to protect them from the radicalization of the teacher union mob, of the superintendent mob, and of the educational bureaucrats. Because the Democrat Party are in bed with all of them, and they rely on them. The poor kids in our inner cities, school choice is prohibited. They have to go to our inner city schools. You want to know where there's crime? Crime in our inner city schools. You don't see Merrick Garland putting out a memo saying, the FBI, state, local law enforcement, we need to get together to figure out how to prevent crime in our inner city schools. No. No. 
They would never touch Democrats' strongholds, never ever. I'm disgusted by this coward, Merrick Garland. Disgusted. They did not answer my request for Merrick Garland to come on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. They did not reply to our phone message, the form we completed. They did not reply to our emails. Merrick Garland and the frauds and the phonies and the radical kooks that populate the highest levels of the Department of Justice. I was a school board member, and I was chief of staff to an attorney general. And what this man is doing is undermining Americanism. That's exactly what he's doing. And it will not be tolerated. Period. We don't expect the corrupt media, for the most part, to come to the defense of liberty and the right to association. No, never. Unless, of course, you're Antifa or Black Lives Matter or one of those groups. Stand firm, America. We're not about to give up our children. We're not about to give up our school systems. And we're sure as hell not about to give up our country. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. There's a great website I'm putting on my social sites on Getter and Parler, but I'd like you to write this down. It's called schoolboardwatchlist.org. Schoolboardwatchlist.org, part of the Turning Point USA uh, group. Schoolboardwatchlist.org. I want you to go over there and check it out. Everybody should go over there and check it out. Schoolboardwatchlist.org. I want the Attorney General, not of the United States, the Attorney General of the Democrat Party and the American Marxist movement to understand something. We're now more invigorated, more resolute, more motivated than ever before. We are a free people. Men and women have died for this country so that we can speak at school board meetings without being intimidated by union thugs by educational bureaucrats, by radical school board members, and by the FBI. The FBI. That's acting like the East German Stasi. We're not going to put up with this. There's not 
this widespread violence at school board meetings. I mean, hell, the National School Board Association writes this long, outrageous letter to Biden, which finds its way quickly within days to the Department of Justice that issues a memo. It's an inside job. And they have no examples. They have one example of one guy hitting somebody. And based on that, we need to federalize our school board meetings. Hell we do. Like hell we do. And here's the deal, folks. The very first time a parent and or taxpayer is subjected to a federal inquisition, we must raise the resources and provide the legal support the best constitutional lawyers in the country, and take this on. Or we're going to lose our kids, we're going to lose our classrooms. We are not servants. We are not subjects. And this memo is the biggest piece of crap I've ever read. Violence, they say. Well, point it out. Where's all the violence? I can point out all the riots last summer. I can point out what Black Lives Matter stands for, overthrowing the United States government, a Marxist, anti-Semitic, hate American group. I can point to that. They can't point to anything. Otherwise, they would have. You're not allowed to humiliate somebody, or if they feel intimidated, they can call the domestic terrorist hotline? The hell is this? And now we learn that Merrick Garland's daughter is married to a co-founder of a company that sells critical race theory materials. A number of outlets have pointed this out, legalinsurrection.com as well. When we come back after the break, I want to show you what a sleazeball this attorney general is and how he's so fully, his family, invested in pushing critical race theory and genderism and the rest of the American Marxist agenda into our classrooms. That his son-in-law is a founder of a company in which 25% of our schools in this country are using the information that they are producing and that this company is now worth tens of millions of dollars. Oh, you didn't know about that, huh? I think we need a special counsel I said a special counsel to investigate the Attorney General of the United States. I'll be right Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Federal Freedom of Information Act requests should be flooding into the United States Department of Justice demanding all kinds of texts, emails, records of any kind, any communications of any kind between the Attorney General of the United States and representatives of or the company Panorama. Legal insurrection website Mary Chastain Attorney General Garland has weaponized the FBI and other Department of Justice departments against parents protesting against critical race theory in the schools. Garland mentioned threats, harassment, and intimidation, but did not cite any real examples. Looks like Garland has a conflict of interest. His daughter Rebecca married 
XAN, Axon Tanner, co-founder of Panorama, in 2018. The group Parents Defending Education, PDE, found out Panorama has multi-million dollar contracts with school districts. PDE, that's the group, Parents Defending Education, previously flagged a $1.8 million contract for Panorama to conduct social and emotional learning, SEL, monitoring in Fairfax County Public Schools in Virginia. It's the biggest county in the state. Resulting in data on students. Early in September, that number was bumped up to more than $2 million as part of a contract addition with Panorama. Panorama's contract was part of a broader $78.8 million investment of coronavirus relief that the Fairfax County Public Schools directed towards a welcoming and culturally responsive environment for students. Its website explains that the funding is intended to support equity, professional development for school teams, social, emotional staff, to work directly with departments and school-based teams. A more detailed breakdown of the Fairfax County Public School Plan showed that the majority, $46.2 million, designated for intervention special education teacher contracts, but it also showed $2.2 million going toward equity PD for school teams. 140000 toward equity PD for equity leads, both apparently referring to professional development for staff and faculty. Panorama. This is the company that Merrick Garland's son-in-law founded as an equity and inclusion survey. Parents have fought against equity because it is similar to critical race theory by separating people into groups based on skin color. By asking students, teachers, and staff to reflect on their experiences of equity and inclusion in school, education leaders can gather actionable data to understand and improve the racial and cultural climate on campus. The Panorama Equity and Inclusion Survey exists as a series of scales or groups of survey questions that work together to measure a single construct or topic, that is, belonging. We recommend that schools and districts select the topics that align with their strategic priorities or vision for equity. You get it. You understand what this Panorama group is. In September 2021, Panorama announced it raised $60 million to expand its tentacles into more schools. The company received more from the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative. That's Zuckerberg's uh, wife. Established and run by Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan. The press release said 50 of the largest 100 school districts and state agencies use the Panorama platform. Overall, the company is connected to 1,500 school districts. That's over 10% of the school districts in America. So Merrick Garland would appear through family to have a specific proprietary and a monetary interest in what happens in these school systems. And that parents who are protesting against critical race theory may well threaten the resource stream for Panorama, a company founded by his son-in-law. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm calling for the appointment of a special counsel to investigate the Attorney General and his conflict of interest. I'm calling for a special counsel because the Attorney General, as the theory goes, as the argument has gone in the past, 
cannot be expected to be investigated by his own FBI and certainly won't call on his own FBI to do it. Merrick Garland should never have issued this memorandum on constitutional grounds, certainly. But he should never have issued this memorandum based on his own familial interest in silencing the opponents to critical race theory, in silencing the opponents to the segregated ideologies that are being pressed into our school systems, to silence the opponents of genderism education in our school systems. Merrick Garland's family has a financial interest in expanding this and a financial interest in thwarting its opponents. Maybe that's why he wrote the memorandum so quickly. Maybe that's why they want to unleash his department against parents and taxpayers and organizations having nothing to do with violence whatsoever. But we must have a special counsel to determine whether it's Merrick Garland who has committed criminal acts, federal criminal acts, unlike the parents and the taxpayers who've attended meetings who haven't committed federal anything. Federal anything. The school buildings belong to the, to the towns and the school districts. There is no federal attachment to our school systems. And that's why local law enforcement authorities are responsible for security and threat investigations and all the rest. The federalization of our school boards and our school board meetings and our school districts must not be tolerated, particularly in the hands of this mob. And what's amazing here is the parents and the taxpayers have shown that they are peaceful. They've had enormous tolerance for the abuse of their tax dollars and their children. They do not come to board meetings armed with weapons and Molotov cocktails and spears like Black Lives Matter. They do not come to board meetings looking to hit people or commit acts of violence. And Merrick Garland would have a hell of a time demonstrating otherwise. 14,000 school districts were the examples of violence. I wonder how many examples of violence exist for those promoting critical race theory. We don't hear much about that. Does that mean it's not happening? Or other radical organizations? No. It's the parents are the enemy. The taxpayers are the enemy. They want to treat every legitimate constitutional protest as if this is part of the January 6th activity that took place. Now the people who, who fill the top positions at the Department of Justice each and every one of them are radical kooks. And each and every one of them received the support of enough Republicans to be confirmed. I want you to think about that. The Deputy Attorney General of the United States was once Chief of Staff to Robert Mueller when he was the FBI Director. She took over for Weissman, and Weissman lauded her appointment as Deputy Attorney General. 
And still every Republican voted to confirm her but Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. She worked in the Obama White House. These are the Obamaites, the radical Marxist, racist bigots who work for Obama. That's who they are. We don't preach violence here. The organizations, the neighborhood groups that have spontaneously responded to what's happening to these schools and to their children, they don't preach violence. They're the taxpayers of America. See, the Democrats don't mind if you vote. They don't mind if you vote. But they want to make sure you vote for their people. And if you don't vote for their people, then you're to be condemned. You're to be condemned. I watched the Deputy Attorney General testify yesterday. She was a disgrace. I watched the Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights testify today. She's a disgrace. They lie about this memo. What is uh, reading comprehension tough over there at the Department of Justice? It's a very short memo. Very short memo. This is Exhibit 1. In any case that's brought, Exhibit 1. And the violation of the First Amendment of the United States, the violation of state authority, yes, the federal government has no role in local school districts, none. They talk about the rise in criminal conduct directed towards school personnel. Where is it? Other than our crime-ridden inner-city schools, for the most part, where is that happening? Nowhere. 14,000 public school districts. Where are all the examples? That's a lot of school districts and a ton of schools and a lot of school boards. Where, where is it happening? They say these meetings, federal, state, local officials, facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff. will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. What does that mean? You know what it means. Monitoring you. Monitoring you. Threatening you. That's what it means. A memo like this wasn't put out about Black Lives Matter, which has as its purpose to overthrow the United States government. That's domestic terrorism. No. These people, Merrick Garland, the critical race theory... Mobsters, they've awakened a sleeping giant. The parents and grandparents of America. The local taxpayers of America. They know exactly what's going on here. I'll be right back. Lovin. The teacher union thugs at the NEA and the AFT don't want to give up their, th- their power. The school board thugs want to impose their will on the American people, school district by school district. 
the emperors of these school districts, these superintendents, want complete control as well. And so how dare the parents question what's taking place with their children in the classroom? How dare the taxpayers wonder what they're actually getting in return for their confiscatory property taxes? And the Democrat Party is not a party of the people. It's not the party of the parents and the children. It never has been. It's a party of government and power, of special interest groups. That's what's taking place here. You see, you notice I say and others say we don't support violence, but where's the violence? And you notice the violence where our cities were burning, people were being brutalized. That that summer of 2020, remember? They said that was mostly peaceful. If that's mostly peaceful, these events at these school board meetings are entirely peaceful. Entirely peaceful. To the point where the National School Board Association, trying to husband its best arguments, had no examples of widespread violence or a pattern of violence or anything else. These school boards do not want you vociferously opposing what they're doing to your children. These unions, the same unions that started to sue parents who dared to bring Freedom of Information Act filings, these unions want to silence you too. Screw them! They're not silencing anybody. And we don't have to apologize. We are not violent. We are patriots. Parents. Grandparents. That don't want our kids taught this Marxist left-wing crap. We want them to get a quality education. That is what we're paying for. That. Not the educational bureaucrats. Not the teachers' unions. That's what we're paying for. And then, and then, you want to see violence? Watch the teachers' unions in in Los Angeles when they don't get the pay they want. Or in Chicago when they don't get the pay they want. or, Or you name it. Watch what they do. Get this long letter from the National School Board Association. And they come up with essentially these piddling little complaints. And Merrick Garland swings into action immediately with his conflict of interest, with his radical ideology, swings into action. A memorandum instructing the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office and the National Security Division, the Criminal Division, the Civil Rights Division to swing into action. Minor incidents they have in their footnotes. Minor. School boards, they write, as American Spectator point, routinely mute parent microphones during public meetings and abruptly halt meetings to prevent parents from speaking. That's what's happening in this country. In one case, an entire school board had to resign after mocking parents during a virtual meeting. This notion that parents are getting above themselves by speaking out at school board meetings is not coincidentally all too similar to the position adopted by the big teachers' unions. For at least the last two decades, the teachers' unions have conducted a well-financed and impressively sophisticated effort to gain dominance over local school boards. A notable example of this ongoing project came to fruition during April of 2021 in Illinois. The Illinois Education Association 
part of the NEA, flooded school board and college trustee elections with union-friendly candidates. Of 132 union-backed candidates, 107 were elected. So they're packing the school boards all over the country. The teachers' unions are packing the school boards so they control management and employment. So they control tax increases and salaries and benefits. And people are getting sick and tired of this. They're on top of it. And I want to remind you, in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe basically said, you parents have no place, no place in even suggesting that you have anything to do with what goes on in these classrooms. Because he's a thug. He's always been a thug. He's bought and paid for by the NEA and the AFT and the rest of them. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number is 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I will be on Hannity tonight. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will spend most of my Fox show on Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin, addressing the topic that I've been discussing in the first hour. Not all of it, but much of it. And so here we are. The Democratic Party, aligned with its surrogates in the media, academia, and the bureaucratic le- Leviathan, as I write in American Marxism, colluded to discredit and cripple President Trump and his presidency and destroy him personally by unleashing an onslaught of slanders, conspiracy theories, criminal and congressional investigations, impeachment and coup attempts, the likes of which this nation has never experienced. The unremitting, harmonized and ferocious blitz was aimed not only at the former president but his followers and voters. Their purpose was to break the back and spirit of the political opposition and clear the field of obstacles to power and governance. Sound familiar in the school districts? Indeed, the Democratic Party continues to pursue now private citizen Trump, having gained access to his tax returns to the offices of elected Democratic officials. The campaign to delegitimize and marginalize the Democratic Party's political opposition is further evidenced by Joe Biden's reckless racial rhetoric and accusing Republicans in Georgia of instituting Jim Crow laws to prevent black citizens from voting, a contemptible lie intended to upset minorities and turn them against the Republican Party. Although weaponizing race is not new to the Democratic Party, given its historic pedigree from supporting slavery to segregation, and Biden's vocal and active opposition to integration in his early Senate career, it is shocking to witness its grotesque rebirth as a political tool, and now, by the way, an ideology called critical race theory. And during the violent riots last summer and this spring, which involved looting, arson, and even murder in multiple cities over the course of several months, and where Antifa and Black Lives Matter had prominent organizational roles, the Democratic Party's leadership mostly regurgitated the rhetoric and claims 
of the anarchist Marxist groups and rioters, including the broad condemnation of law enforcement as systemically racist. And we're not only loath to denounce the violence, but incredibly declared the rioters as mostly peaceful. And their demand to defund the police later changed to slash their budgets as legitimate. Obviously, the Democratic Party and Biden campaign perceived an overlap or synergy of political interests and objectives with the rioters. In fact, a Black Lives Matter co-founder declared in the summer of 2020 that one of their goals is to get Trump out now, quote-unquote. Democratic-controlled cities named streets after the group. And numerous Biden campaign staffers donated to a fund that paid the bail for the release of those who were arrested in jail. This is in Chapter 1 of American Marxism. The Democratic Party seeks to empower itself by breaching constitutional firewalls, asked Mr. Garland, skirting, if not eradicating, rules, traditions, and customs, adopting Marxist language of class warfare, and aligning with certain avowedly Marxist groups and ideological causes, among other things. It is using the instrumentalities of government for its political empowerment and purposes. The truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. And allegiance to the party is more important than fidelity to the country. And it holds these characteristics in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. And that's the truth. And the purpose of this book... American Marxism is to awaken the millions of patriotic Americans who love their country, freedom, and family to the reality of Marxism rapidly spreading influence throughout our nation. What is occurring in our country is not a temporary fad or passing event. American Marxism exists here and now, and indeed it is pervasive, and its multitude of hybrid but often interlocking movements are actively working to destroy our society and culture and overthrow the country as we know it. Many of the individuals and groups who collectively make up this movement are unknown to most Americans or operate in ways which most Americans are unaware. So this book is written to introduce you to a representative sample of them, some perhaps more familiar than others, to provide you with specific examples of their writings, their ideas, their activities, so you can know of them and hear from them. American Marxism has made great progress toward instituting its goals over the last several years. If it is to be defeated as it must, albeit a daunting and complex mission, its existence must first be acknowledged and labeled for what it is. The urgency of the moment must be realized. The emergence of a unified patriotic front of previously docile, divergent, and or disputatious societal, cultural, and political factions and forces which have in common their belief that America is worth defending, must immediately galvanize around and rally to the cause. We must rise to the challenge, as did our founding fathers when they confronted the most powerful force on earth, the British Empire, and defeated it. And admittedly, in numerous ways, today's threat is more Byzantine, as it now inhabits most of our institutions and menaces from within, making engagement difficult and complicated. But I fervently believe America as we know it will be forever lost if we do not prevail. This is what Merrick Garland and the rest fear. An informed, alert, resolute, 
and engaged American citizenry. This is what they fear. Parents, taxpayers, hardworking Americans, this is what they fear. Not illegal aliens. No, not in the least. Not felons. No, not in the least. Not various other groups that form their base and support their objectives. No, 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 no. The American citizen. That's the problem. I want to move on. I knew it was only a matter of time till Mitch McConnell would buckle. And the reporting on this is so appalling, even by so-called business experts and Capitol Hill experts, it's just shocking, as I will point out in a moment. McConnell offers Dems debt limit deadline as default looms. This is National Review, Zachary Evans. Senate Minority Leader McConnell floated a short-term extension of the debt limit in order to avoid a looming default. Now, let's stop there. What default? What are they talking about? I've explained this over and over again. I've explained this on every platform I have. So people who are writing this are intentionally, intentionally misleading you or simply uninformed and illiterate about this subject. If the federal government's taking in $320 billion every month, And the debt service is $44 billion every month. How does it default if the debt ceiling isn't raised? The debt ceiling is not raised to pay the debt service. They're raising the debt ceiling to borrow more money to pay for programs. Hello! Hello! They're raising the debt ceiling to borrow more money to pay for programs. Beyond the $320 billion minus the $44 billion. Leaves about $280 billion a month. Or over $3 trillion a year for spending. The problem is they're spending $4 trillion. And the Democrats are demanding that the debt ceiling be raised for an entire year without a number. So they can agree on $5 trillion, $3 trillion, $2 trillion, whatever it is. In addition to a $6 trillion budget. So effectively they want to eliminate any limits on borrowing to fund their Marxist agenda. I don't know how else to explain this. You don't need to lift the debt ceiling to raise the debt ceiling to pay the debt service, which is $44 billion right now a month. What about Social Security? The Secretary of the Treasury comes up and she she wants to warn seniors on Social Security that those payments are going to stop. She's a liar. Social Security payments will continue. Because Social Security is a separate account. Social Security is a payroll deduction 
program. And so the funds continue to come in to pay Social Security. Same with Medicare. Social Security and Medicare will continue to be funded and can continue to make their check payments. After the pensions are paid for, that is, after the debt is paid for, these debt service, $44 billion every month. Social Security is on a separate channel, a separate route. Same with Medicare. They don't even come into the debate. The Veterans Administration and federal pensions are also paid for. Why? Because that's part of entitlements and obligations under the 14th Amendment. So Social Security, Medicare, veterans, and federal pensions will continue to be paid, whether the government shuts down or not. So what they're debating is not a default, not a default on the dollar, not a default on the debt service or the debt payments. What they're debating is they don't want to fire people, they don't want to slash programs, they don't want to make decisions and priorities. So there's not a looming default. The National Review article goes on, whether through miscalculation or deliberate effort to bully their own members into wrecking the Senate, top Democrats have risked adding a default crisis to the inflation crisis, border crisis, Afghanistan crisis they have already created, McConnell said in a statement. McConnell has said year after year, even when the Republicans want to raise the debt ceiling and conservatives saying no, not until we get spending under control, that there's a looming default. The editorial page of the Wall Street Journal says the same thing. And of course, right here, National Review says the same thing. It's not correct. McConnell made the offer amid concerns Democrats could pressure Cinema and Manchin to suspend the filibuster in order to raise the debt ceiling, CNN reported. Treasury Secretary Yellen said the U.S. will enter a recession if the federal government defaults on debt payments. Federal government, why would the federal government default on debt service unless Yellen does it purposely? I do regard October 18 as a deadline. It would be catastrophic to not pay the government's bills. Why is October 18 her deadline? She says here, for us to be in a position where we lack the resources to pay the government's bills. Now listen to that language. We lack the resources to pay the government's bills. Because the calendar fiscal year for the government begins on October 1. If they move into October 18 and they don't have the debt ceiling increase, they have to make decisions about slashing government personnel, programs, and spending. Having nothing to do with the debt service. Mr. Producer, just tell me the truth. Is this making any sense? America, do you understand what I'm saying? I hope so, because you're being lied to by virtually everybody on television. I'll be right back. Lovin.
Democrats, the Republicans, the media, all sound alike because they do not want slashing the federal budget. And so they wrap it all up in not paying our debt, defaulting on the debt because they're lying. Here's Joe Biden at the White House today. Cut five, go. Defaulting on the debt, which Secretary Yellen said could happen at any day after October the 18th, as we run out of money, means that Social Security benefits will stop. Okay, so now you know he's a liar. The guy can't help it. It's, uh, it's in his DNA. It's in the, the little bit of tissue that's left in the, uh, in the cranium. Go ahead. The service members will stop. No, it won't. Uh, where are all the fact checkers? Uh, they're in the tank. Go ahead. And if it's the veterans will stop. No, they won't. Go ahead. More. The failure to raise the debt limit will undermine the safety of the United States Treasury securities. No, it won't. It will require you to make priorities and slash all the other programs and personnel within the $3 trillion budget. It's more than $3 trillion, really. It's $320 billion a month for 12 months. In fact, it's much more than $3 trillion. Go ahead. Threaten reserve status of the dollar as the world currency and the, the world relies on. Downgrade America's credit rating and result in a rise in interest rates for families talking about mortgages, auto loans, credit cards. Actually, card. that will happen when, God forbid, if... Your spending continues. Go ahead. My friends, and there are many of my friends, the Senate Republicans' position, I find to be not only hypocritical, but dangerous and a bit disgraceful. So his friends are hypocritical, dangerous, and disgraceful. Guy is a head case. Go ahead. Especially as we're crawling our way out of a pandemic. Ah, shut the hell up. May I say that? I think I will. Like a robot. He stands there and reads what's written for him. It's so stupid. And then they told, we got to raise the debt limit because of Trump. Trump. Trump has nothing to do with it. The debt limit was already raised for past years. Once again, the debt limit is about spending going forward. It's not about any spending beforehand. None. You don't borrow money after the fact. They're borrowing money to spend now. Now. And they're running out of money for now. Because their fiscal year begins October 1. That's why they say we need it by October 18. What, to shut down the government? You won't get Social Security? Yes, you will. The veterans won't get paid? Yes, you will. The pensions won't get paid? Yes, they will. Medicare won't get paid? Yes, it will. Unless, of course, Biden and Yellen want to sabotage the system which is utterly unconstitutional. Why? Under the 14th Amendment and under the statutory programs in place, Social Security, Medicare, and so forth. Stick with me. I know what I'm talking about. We'll be right back. Mark Levin, America's think tank. And you can call him at 877-381-3811. You know, folks, I've been pointing out for several weeks the Democrat plan 
long before anybody else was. It was just a matter of logic. That they would try and lower the amount of money that they claim to want to spend on this uh, Marxist uh, economic system that they want to institute in this country. But they would keep all the programs. Because they don't care about the debt. Now they're out of the closet saying exactly that. They're out of the closet saying exactly that. And some of these business reporters have finally figured it out. Took them two weeks, but they finally figured it out. So what they plan to do is lower the amount of money, uh, put the programs in place, get people hooked on the programs over a two, three, four-year period, and know full well that these programs will go on in perpetuity. The way you're supposed to budget in Washington, D.C. is on a 10-year budget, a 10-year forecast by the Congressional Budget Office, which is an arm of Congress. So, of course, the, the radical left Marxists don't want to do that. The media, the surrogates for these people, they don't want to do that either. And so they can say, oh, look at this. We started at 3.5, we're already down to 1.9 or 2.3 or whatever it is. And in doing so, they will go to the media and they will go to you and say, look, we've already cut this, we've slashed it, we wanted $6 trillion, and here we've agreed to 1.9 or 2.3 or whatever it is. Again, if these people were operating in the private sector, they'd all wind up in federal prison. Because that's not how you treat customers and consumers and investors. And it ought not be how you treat the American taxpayer. But that's how they treat us. So they will put in place things like free family leave, free community college, free uh, child care and so forth and so on, and cost them out on a one, two, or three-year basis, rather than a ten-year basis. James Clyburn, the number three uh, dummy, a Democrat in the House of Representatives, is proudly puking this up day in and day out now, saying this is what he'd like to do. AOC showed a little bit of ankle on it too, but this is what they're doing. And this is why Biden now says, you know, we can come down on that number. We can come down on that number. So this is very, very important to watch. There, there, are, there are so many, hundreds and hundreds, of, of incredibly awful things in this bill, substantively. Absolutely awful. Uh, that are all intended to empower the Democrat Party. That are all intended to destroy our economic system. And uh, you should be very, very concerned about this. There was an excellent piece, and there's always an excellent column, by Metz, Betsy McCauley. She says, never mind the cost, just look at the absurd things Build Back Better would buy. Now, I do con- am concerned about the cost, but she raises a good point. She says, the bill is un-American as it gets. Here are some of its details, which Democrats would prefer you not see. Judge for yourself. First-generation down payment assistant. Most people work and save for years to buy a home. This bill makes them into suckers. It gives $6.8 billion to low-income first-time home buyers with no conditions. It's part of Biden's scheme to increase racial and economic diversity in the suburbs. First-time homebuyers can get up to $20,000 and never have to pay it back. Whether they stay in the home or move for virtually any reason, it's free money as long as you're not the taxpayer footing the bill. 
And it's likely a double whammy, pushing up home prices for first-time buyers who actually saved up themselves. Home efficiency rebates. The bill offers up to $14,000 to homeowners who lower energy use by installing new heat pumps, air conditioning systems, insulation, and energy-efficient appliances. It's a pot of gold for homeowners who qualify, and tens of billions of dollars in new business for contractors. The catch, ready? Only unionized electrical contractors qualify. Only unionized electrical contractors qualify. It's designed to twist arms and unionize the workforce. Why? Because unions bankroll the Democratic Party. Racial and ethnic minorities also get preferred treatment. The bill promises contractors a $200 bonus for each customer served from, quote, a community of racial or minority ethnic concentration, unquote. Whites go to the back of the line and have to hope the money holds out. Direct care workforce. The bill awards $1.48 billion to labor unions and community organizations to recruit and train workers to care for the elderly and disabled at home. Top priority is training workers in their rights and organizing them. This is your tax dollars. This is your tax dollars at work creating a new army of likely Democrat voters. The bill also includes preferential tax treatment for union dues, additional tax credit for buying union-made electric vehicles, a staggering tenfold increase in civil penalties against employers who resist unionization. Did you know all this was in the bill? And this is just the tip of the iceberg. She says, Pelosi, the bill is about the children. New York Times columnists have fraud. Paul Krugman Krugman echoes her, saying it's about securing the future for children. In fact, the bill screws our children and grandchildren. It adds hundreds of billions of dollars to federal debt, forcing the next generation to pay interest and principal on what we've borrowed instead of taking care of themselves. And so, I have never seen a situation, a so brazen situation, where our tax dollars can go to empower the Democrat Party and their surrogates and their base. Never. Community activist groups, uh, affirmative action effectively, uh, unions, which represent a relatively small percentage of the private workforce. It's just incredible. And everybody else is cut out. Everybody else is cut out. They wouldn't unionize caregivers. Now, that won't drive the cost up at all, will it? No, not in the least. But this is how they wish to impose their will. And by the way, if you're a union worker out there, I'm all for you, buddy. I'm all for you, young lady. But they're going to beat the hell out of your income, too. They're going to beat the hell out of your income, too. And they're they're going to destroy the education for your children, too. The same racist propaganda, the same genderism and so forth. There's no question about it. Biden's not in your corner. They're going to push jobs overseas. They're going to push money overseas. They're going to destroy jobs, union and otherwise, with massive taxes on employers. Jamie Dimon, you may have heard of this guy. He's, uh, He's not particularly special to me. But he's the CEO of Chase. And uh, he was at a virtual business roundtable today. And of course, the big corporatists 
And the big robber barons in government, the Bernie Sanders, the Bidens, and the rest of them, they all want to get rid of the debt ceiling so they don't have to make priority decisions about programmatic spending. So there's no end to it. Now, they're short-sighted because obviously this will destroy the value of the currency and turn us into the Weimar Republic. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They get their bonuses, their special interests, and you and I are supposed to work for them. Jamie Dimon, the CEO of Chase. Cut six, go. Number one is really a morality point. We all teach our children that we're supposed to meet our obligations. I, I don't think the nation should be any different. Number two, we should never even get this close. There are huge economic costs already being borne by companies and lawyers trying to figure out what this means if something like this ever happens. It's already affecting the stock market, et cetera, as you've heard from some of the folks here. Maybe, maybe geniuses like you should understand what is actually taking place. Maybe geniuses like you should actually speak out and say, excuse me, the debt service will be paid. The issue here is how much government needs to be slashed. Maybe geniuses like you ought to talk about the condition of the debt that we're imposing on our children and grandchildren and generations yet born and wealth yet created. I don't trust any of these corporatists, none of them. None of them. Go ahead. Number three, we should get rid of the debt ceiling. There you go. We don't need to have this kind of brinkmanship every couple of years. Yes, we do. Absolutely do. To some extent, it's a check on government, but you can see what would happen, ladies and gentlemen. The Democrats wouldn't even have to be negotiating on the debt ceiling, despite all their propaganda. They wouldn't have to be negotiating on it. They would just push through these massive, massive spending bills with enormous debt. Bernie Sanders has even said it should have been $6 trillion, not $3.5 trillion, and $6 trillion is conservative. Of course, he's a nut job. He's a Marxist nut job. Go ahead. Uh, number four, an actual default. An actual default would be unprecedented. We, the things we know that it would do... Hey, are dummy. Gonna... Dummy. Jamie Dimon. Dummy. How would there be an actual default? Somebody tell Jamie Dimon to call into the program. He's welcome to come in. He's a, he's a media hound. Hey, dummy, call into the program and tell us how there would be a default. I'd like to know how. If the debt service is $44 billion a month and the government takes in $320 billion a month, how would there be a default? Default on what? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tom, the great KRLA, 870 AM. Go right ahead, please. Hey, thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be on this great show. Thank that you, sir. That first hour that you had today, you were scintillating, perhaps the best I've ever heard you, a combination of Paul Revere, Thomas Paine, and George Washington. And the issue you raise is of such transcendent importance to save the country, probably more important than any other. If we don't root out the Marxist 
devils in the schools. And yes, they are Marxist, Marx, Karl Marx, inextricably linked to Satan, as Paul Kangor says in his book, The Devil and Karl Marx. That's why these guys, Mark, they're not the Democrats. Get rid of the C, put in an N. They're the demon rats, and they've got to be expelled, because if we don't get rid of them soon, we're beyond the point of no return. I urge every parent to go to the school board meetings and bravely fight honorably and peacefully. But we cannot let, as you so greatly said in your first hour, the demon rats steal this great, God-based, kind, best nation on earth from us. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate that. Don't hang up. We'll send you a signed copy of American Marxism. I wonder how many conversations at Black Lives Matter and Antifa and the rest uh, start out with gentlemen saying, like this gentleman, or me saying, don't be violent, be peaceful, and be civil. Do you think they said that before they rioted, before they were trying to burn down the Portland courthouse, before they attacked the NYPD and the Minnesota and the Minneapolis cops and so forth and so I don't think so. And yet we do. That's what we say. Steve, Crossville, Tennessee, on the Mark Levin app. Steve, how are you, sir? Good evening, Mark. It's an honor to talk with you. Um, you. I wanted to share something with you. I know you and Clint Walker were very good friends. And uh, I just watched an episode this evening of Cheyenne. That was uh, season seven, episode nine, The Vanishing Breed. And Mr. Walker gives an impressive speech among senators and the Speaker of the House. And he talks about everyone being bought, lying, not representing the people, that they are in the Senate for their own agenda and benefits. And this is 60 years ago and very relevant to today. And uh, it just made a – it was just pretty special, Mark. And I thought of you, and I just had to call you for the first time ever. And I've listened to you for a long time. Well, Steve, I really appreciate that. I I do miss Clint Walker. He was a great guy and a great patriot. And Cheyenne, I watch that from time to time when I can catch it. You know, very wholesome programming back then. Of course, uh, today you couldn't do that. Too much white supremacy, I suppose. But thank you. Do not hang up, Steve. We want to send you a signed copy of American Marxism as well. Um, Let's see. Let's take another uh, call here. Dave, Boca Raton, Florida, XM Satellite. Dave, how are you? Good, Mr. Levin. Listen, you really triggered me. You know, first off, we do need a special counsel. There's something that's just not right what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's just something. And the other thing that's really, really got me going is in that bill, okay, they're going to give $4.5 million, I think you said that, or $40 million to people that need new homes. Well, what about everybody? No, 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 that- no, 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 no. $6.8 billion. $6.8 billion. Okay. What about everybody had an economic hardship because of the robo-signings with the Democrats rewriting the Affordable uh, Home Act back in, you know, the 90s with, with Bill Clinton? You know, we really need uh, – these people aren't thinking straight. This and bill then, needs you know, to be guys, killed. Guys, this hmm? bill needs to be killed regardless of the cost. That's your point. I agree with you. The unions. You know, if you own equipment in New Jersey – Okay, and you own a factory. Okay, you got to pay the unions to work the equipment. You can't even do that. You know, it's crazy. The the carpenters, police unions in New York City, the guys make eighty dollars an hour. Okay, don't attack my cops. The rebuild police station. Cops are different. 
They put their life on the line. They do stuff nobody else will do. They ought to get paid more. Unlike so many others, as far as I'm concerned. All right, Dave. Don't forget to get Dave a book. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a full hour next. Don't forget, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I will be on Hannity. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, American Marxism which had been number one on the New York Times bestseller list for 10 weeks in a row, remains on the New York Times bestseller list, number three last week, number three this week. So that's three months. Three months. That's you. That's people who are interested, parents, taxpayers, people from all walks of life. And so this drew my attention in the Washington Times by Sean Salali. Uh, It's called U.S. Adults Increasingly Accept Marxist Views, poll shows. And millennials are especially likely to espouse Marxist views on private property and race. A survey shows that U.S. adults, especially millennials, increasingly endorse Marxist views such as the rejection of private property and traditional morality, even though they don't adopt Marxism as a label. Now, this goes to the core of what I keep talking about. We must stop calling people progressives or socialists. This is about Marxism, ladies and gentlemen. Marxism. The Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University, which published the results last week, found in a representative poll of 2,000 U.S. adults, that one-third or more endorsed a dozen elements of Marxist theory, including those on racism and God. Pollster George Barna, the center's founder and research director, said the results indicate that 10% of Americans have internalized Marxist ideology and now draw from it in their daily decisions, even though only 1% of Americans adopt Marxism as their primary worldview. This is why language matters. This, in part, is why I wrote the book American Marxism. Mr. Barnett told the Washington Times, it tells me that Americans are open to almost every ideology that's out there in the marketplace. They're not tightly wedded to any one worldview, but are drawn to a number of views that advance their personal interests or seem attractive in the moment. He said U.S. adults pick up Marxist views without realizing it. Exactly. They may not like being thought of Marxist, but they don't know what Marxist principles are by and large, and so they are unwittingly embracing those principles. And this is why I tell even friends and colleagues on Fox, on talk radio, stop messing around. Use the right language. Have the courage to use it. It's not socialism. Socialism is purely an economic system. Of course, Marxism embraces that, but Marxism is an entire system, a cultural system, a civic system, a societal system. That is what we're talking about. 
The results of the poll reflect those of other surveys. An October 2020 YouGov poll found 26 of Americans supported the gradual elimination of capitalist system in favor of more socialist system. On economics, 27% of respondents to the Cultural Research Center survey agreed that allowing people to own property facilitates economic injustice. 23% agreed with the statement that individual property ownership is bad for society. Again, this is mostly adult millennials, mostly colleges and universities, and the Marxist tenured professors who indoctrinate them. And this is exactly what they're trying to do in our public schools, our government schools now. Regarding critical race theory, which posits that racism is a foundational element of American society, 41% agree with the statement, quote, race is used by white people to advance their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color, unquote. Mike Gonzalez, I have to have him on this program sooner than later. He's, uh, he's terrific. A senior fellow at the Heritage Foundation said the Marxist founders of the Black Lives Matter movement have appropriated this tenet of critical race theory in a bid to overturn society. Alicia Garza, Patrice Colliers, and Opal Tometi, Black Lives Matter's three main founders, have always been candid about their Marxism, which is a synonym for communism. He wrote in a September 8 commentary. Cultural Research Center Executive Director Tracy Munsell said the study's results have clear implications for debates about Congressional Democrats' social spending agenda. This is a significant political shift, never before seen in the American setting. We've seen little eruptions of socialism in the 20th century, but I think this is a tipping point. She said it's unclear whether the Marxist views will persist, especially among younger adults, as the ideas move from theory to reality and legislation. Yeah, but when it moves to reality, it's too late. When it moves to reality, it's too late. That's the problem. The the current congressional spending bill represents unprecedented wealth transfer, Ms. Munsell said. Over time, the detrimental effects will appear in the loss of personal liberty and economic prosperity, which we've taken for granted in this country. Well, look at the school board situation. Because we're so optimistic about the free market, I don't think we have any concept yet that Marxism could happen here. I... I don't know how this happened, the invisible hand or something, for me to write this book and for it to come out at this time, American Marxism, which really addresses all of this every day. I don't think we have any concept yet that Marxism could happen here, she says, political science professor. David Barton, a former high school principal who founded the Texas-based educational nonprofit wall builder, said American classrooms haven't taught a working definition of socialism and Marxism in 30 years. This would not have been a conversation 30 years ago. It's a conversation now because we've done such a poor job of teaching about different forms of government and the consequences of what they produce, he said. We don't know much about any government, including our own constitutional republic. Mr. Barner said his survey questions presume the traditional definition of Marxism as a political and economic theory of class struggle that seeks a more equitable and fulfilling existence. He said Marxism sees the world as two classes, the capitalists who control economic and political resources and workers who are exploited through their underpaid and underappreciated labor. 
A Marxist society would eliminate economic classes and the private ownership of the economic assets that control the masses. Theoretically, every person within the society works for a common good, which in turn enhances their own quality of life and hope for the future, he said. Mr. Barna noted that poll results showed non-whites and those age 18 to 37 were likelier than older adults to endorse Marxist beliefs suggesting that changing demographics and worldviews will fuel support for the policy. Hence, another reason the border is wide open. Another reason the border is wide open. Let's see. I think that's about it. Frightening, isn't it? So the counter to this is American Marxism, the book. That's the counter to what's taking place in the country, what's taking place in our school systems. Higher education, of course, now we know in the government schools, which is where this battle is also taking place. And this is why I've said for many months now, you're the Paul Revere's. This, I hope, American Marxism is sort of the Thomas Paine pamphlet in book form, although his pamphlet was almost 50 pages. But still, that's the goal to counter this to understand this, and then to conquer it. I know we've gotten their attention, where the Department of Justice wouldn't be doing what it's doing today. I'll be right back. Let's take some calls. Anthony! Marlboro, New Jersey, XM Satellite. Anthony, how are you, sir? How you doing, Mark? It's an absolute honor to speak to you. And Thank I can't you. wait to get the book and, and finally read it. Uh, I'm just calling to say that this seems with the schools like it's a, an absolute coordinated attack against conservative people. because we I don't think you have meetings. to be conservative. I think it's against any parent or taxpayer, and we can see they're not all conservatives. They're not all Republicans. Um, who want their children to be taught and get a quality education, not propaganda. I agree. I agree. But uh, just to say, like last month's meeting we went to, and they were using, the superintendent was using the same language that's in what what Attorney General Garland is, is passing out about mm-hmm. being threatening and, 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 and that we're, you know, we're terrorists. And it's every meeting I've been to, I mean, the people who wear a mask, they're cordial. You know, no one's yelling, no one's freaking out. I've never seen a threatening person yet. Well, what if people one- do yell? It happens all the time. I was a school board member. People yelled. People were vociferous. And is that now a federal that's offense? Not physical, though. It's, 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 that's not a federal offense. It's still constitutionally protected free speech. You would think. All right, Anthony, don't hang up. We'll send you a book so you can read it. Let's continue, shall we? I think so. Bill, Iowa City, Iowa, on the Mark Levin app. Bill, how are you, sir? I am excellent. It's a privilege to speak to you again, Mr. Levin. Thank you, Bill. Uh, My wife and I are both actually in the university system. I'm I'm seeking my history, bachelor's degree in history, to be a teacher, high school civics and history, and she's working on her master's in developmental reading. Mm-hmm. And what she's facing down is a lot of these teachers looking for their master's degrees. And I mean a lot of them talk about activating the act. It's their job to activate the activism in the children. And I've, I've told her, I said, well, 
isn't it a teacher's job to teach proper principles? Any activism that comes naturally is proper. But they're looking for little activists. That's all they care about. Yeah, and I describe this in the book, too. Let me tell you something. Their focus is especially on the education departments within these universities. Now, it happens throughout the universities. Don't get me wrong. But that's their key focus. And this has been going on now for at least a decade, maybe two, where they want to indoctrinate the future teachers, the future professors. So the education departments, also the journalism departments, they are a key focus of these, these Marxist professors in this Marxist movement. How do I know it? Because they said so. And I quote them in my book. And that's what your poor wife is up against right now. It, it is. And fortunately, I don't see a whole lot of it in uh, the history department at the university. But in the last 10 years, I've been going through this process. I've seen their class structure shift. There's never been a Constitution class available for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had good professors, but their, uh, their focus is shifting to gender and whatever. And my history focus has been foundational history. And I was struck that letter from the teachers union about calling in the dogs on parents. It sounded like a royalist letter from the 18th century. The language was almost identical. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. National School Board Association. No, that's correct. All right, Bill, don't hang up. We'll send you a signed copy of American Marxism as well. Let's keep taking some calls here. Brandon, San Francisco, California, the great KSFO. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing real well. Thank you, Mark. Hey, listen, I, I listen to you every day. I just uh, got the book a couple of weeks ago. Thank you. Uh, very quickly, you know, just, just to uh, touch upon what you said a minute ago about Marxism, we, we need to call it what it is, okay? It's not cancel culture. It's not wokeism. It's not progressivism. You need to identify it. You need to call it what it is, and only then can you crush it. Can you fight it? You know, I agree 100%. And, uh, I'll tell you what, re- re- Republicans, you, you know, um, the, those those that that we we vote for them, we we put them in office to represent us. You know, so many of the Republicans they they settle for moral victories. You know, they they're good at pointing out hypocrisy. They're good at at pointing out double standards. But they're they're complacent, and they don't do anything. And And they never advance the cause of the Constitution, individual liberty, or less government. They just never do. And they they, they take up space, and they need to be primaried. And I'll tell you right now, if this this infrastructure vote passes, I mean, we, we are sitting ducks right now. We're sitting here, they're like a pack of hyenas figuring out how they're going to, you know, Basically, fund their base, up. redistribute wealth from uh, from Republicans to their base. That's what it's all about. Look, look at what they're doing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just read some of the the items in the in this bill. People aren't even familiar with. Yeah, it's it's game over. If this passes, this this is the nail in the coffin. I mean, we we might be talking about some particular spending here, a wasteful spending here. You know, if, if we're not going to do it for ourselves, if we're not going to get out in the streets and raise hell, you know, nonviolently, if we're not going to do it for ourselves, you need to think about your kids. You need to think about your grandkids. You, are they worth fighting for? You know, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer and AOC and Biden and, yes, Obama and Susan Rice and whoever else is involved in all this, you're going to protect your kids, your grandkids? Because they're, they're devising, you know, every day that goes by, they're tightening that vice. They're tightening that grip. 
And the, the longer that time goes by, the, the harder it's going to be to get to get out of it. It's a lot. All right, Brandon. Very, very good points. Don't hang up. Don't hang up. Let's go to Claire, Wilmington, Delaware, listening on the great WPHT. How are you, Claire? Hi, Mark. I'll be very quick. I'm 57. I've voted for 39 years. 35 of them I was a Republican, and I'm going to dovetail off your last call. The problem with this country and why so much has gone wrong is not because of the Democrats. It's because of the Republicans. They are a party with no teeth. They offer no opposition. And if they were effective, we would not be in the position we're in. I want to give you an example. When the Democrats vote and when they do things, they come out like a choir and they stand together. Republicans tend to be more solo acts. And let me give you an example, too. When we, they told us the last election, give us power, we'll build the wall, we'll repeal Obamacare, they did neither one. What did Democrats do during their time out of power? Well, the first day they got in power, they pulled out 2,000-page bills they had been writing so they could start on day one. That's something that this party needs to go. We need to have a third party. The Republicans are ineffective. I'm sorry, but, and I was one for a long time. Well, They're I'm sorry, to, but a third I, party would make sure the Democrats win every single time. Mark. I think there are Democrats that are not Marxists that have nowhere else yeah, to Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're a funny way of showing it in Washington, D.C. Look, I understand your contempt for the Republican Party, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean we give an advantage to the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party, in my view, is a Marxist party that wants to destroy the entire nature of this society. And so they have to be stopped. Uh, and so third party will, will make sure that they never lose. I'm sure they would help fund a third party. What has to happen, Donald Trump was, in my view, a, a wonderful president that stood up to this. Ronald Reagan was a wonderful president who stood up to this. These are the kinds of leaders we need. But even more than that, the culture is under attack. So when parents are going to school board meetings, this is exactly what needs to happen. People need to go into corporate board meetings, uh, just as the left do. Uh, and as I say, Chapter 7 of the book lays out a lot of options for people to undertake that are civil, that are easy to undertake. But... Just say, I'm sick of the Republican Party. I'm going to go third party. They're worse than the Democrat Party. I can't go with you. I just can't go with you there. Claire, but thank you for your call. Don't hang up, and we'll ship a book off to you. Although we're running out of books to ship off, so at some point I'm going to have to stop. But I want to thank all of you who are, uh, who are jumping in with both feet. No, I, uh, I don't think the Republican Party is worse than the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party is a diabolical and evil party, in my view. The Republican Party is a pathetic, impotent party. And that is a huge problem. A huge problem. It's simply not effective with the likes of Mitch McConnell at the helm. I'll be right back. You can call us now at 877-381-3811. And the liberal contact number is 877-381-3811. When you look at this, at this Merrick Garland memo, when you look at what it says and you read between the lines, here's what it says. We're going to spy on parents. We're going to gather intel on parents. We're going to track parents. And we're going to give a special phone number for you to accuse parents. Special line. Special phone number for you to report parents. 
to the government. What do you think about that? To report parents to the, to the government. Now, this is really, as I said before, this reminds me of the, of the East German Stasi. The state security force. And the pretext is widespread violence. When there is none. When there is none. And of course, not for Antifa, not for Black Lives Matter, not for any of the radical, violent groups on the Marxist left. You know, the mostly peaceful, violent people. That's what we're talking about here. And so, the first occasion when Merrick Garland, the conflicted, unethical Merrick Garland, undertakes to punish a single parent who has not committed any sort of act of violence, but is accused of making a threat or harassing an elected official, we're all going to join together, provide whatever resources are necessary to defend that individual. That's what we need to do, and that's what we will do, as far as I'm concerned. There has to be pushback. Again, for the four billionth time, we do not support violence. We do not encourage it. And the National School Board Association letter provides no examples of any pattern of violence or organizational planned violence of any kind that I can think of. Let's go to Eric, Rock City, Wyoming, XM Satellite. Eric, how are you, sir? Very well, Mr. Levin. Been a long-time listener. I've never called in before. Thank you. Talk to you. Thank you. Hey, you were talking about Jamie Dimon. I'm a Chase was, well, soon to be was, bank customer. This is the outfit that pulled the credit cards on General Flynn. This is an outfit that makes it very difficult for people in the firearms industry to do business with credit cards and whatnot. Um, they also, the PPP loan program, they, they weren't really acting in the consumer's best interest, I know, because I tried to work with them on a second-time PPP loan. They are not a consumer-friendly organization whatsoever. I'm not surprised, Eric. I'm not surprised. I don't believe we have anything associated with Chase. Maybe there's a credit card somewhere, but that's about it. All right, don't hang up. We want to ship you an American Marxism book, signed. Let's see here. Um, I'm looking at this. Oh, Terry McAuliffe, the bagman for the Clintons, always one step ahead of the law, or was, wants to be governor again of Virginia. He did such a destructive job the first time around. And, uh, of course, we've endorsed here uh, candidate Youngkin, the Republican, uh, Youngkin has been on every every uh, host show on WMAL outside of Washington, D.C. Great local host here, except mine. Uh, he doesn't want to come on the show, apparently. That's all right. That's okay. That tells me something. But he needs to win. We need to defeat this guy, McCullough. And, of course, Youngkin is welcome on this program anytime he wants. There's also a great candidate running for lieutenant governor and attorney general, and I'll comment on that next week. But let's listen to what Terry McAuliffe said on a Zoom call yesterday. He actually spoke the truth for once. Cut 11, go. But we got to get Democrats out to vote. 
We are facing a lot of headwinds from Washington, as you know. The president is unpopular today, unfortunately, here in Virginia. So we have got to plow through. Mm-hmm. Biden's unpopular in Virginia. Can't imagine why. Biden's unpopular in Virginia. So Terry McAuliffe has not brought Biden back to Virginia. Have you noticed that? Or Kamala Harris, for that matter. He has not brought Biden back to Virginia or Kamala Harris. And he's running another phony campaign, much like Newsom in California. They're trying to run against Donald Trump when, in fact, he's running against this fellow Yunkin. Oh, I think Donald Trump could kick his ass in Virginia at this point. But you get my point. So they're trying to distance themselves from Biden. And this should be a message for all the phony moderates in the House and in the Senate. Well, there aren't many in the Senate, are there? They're all pretty hardcore. But in the House, the phony moderates. Biden is an anchor around your necks. And he's going to take you down. And the best thing you could do, if you even have a, a small, fractional chance of surviving, is to quickly distance yourself from this Biden, Pelosi, Sanders, AOC bill. Because if you vote for it, you're going to go down, and you're going to go down ugly. You're going to go down, and you're going to, you're going to go down ugly. And you should. Bob, in Norman, Arkansas, the great K-A-R-N. Bob, how are you? How are you doing, sir? I'm all right, thank you. Bob, I want you... I will be 60 years old on Friday, and I was raised in Virginia and went to school in Virginia, and I sent uh, a message to all my classmates. I said, how can y'all still live there? And this... And I was driving home, and I heard this Patriot Act that they're invoking. And after twenty, well, I haven't invoked it yet. The National School Board Association says it should be invoked, as well as hate crimes law against parents. Patriot Act isn't that supposed to apply to like uh, foreign terrorists? That's what I was under the under the understanding of, but you know it. Depends on what the Democrats want to use it for. Look, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, If the Democrats are able to uh, militarize, if you will, all these entities, then maybe we need to get rid of them. Like the Patriot Act and replace it with something else. Like the Federal Bureau of Investigation and replace it with something else. Uh, For me to say things like this, you you know I've been pushed to the wall on this. It's just that the rising tyranny and totalitarianism cannot be tolerated. And it is all applauded by the corrupt media. The corrupt media, which comes out of the same schools, the same ideology, which has as its purpose to push the agenda of American Marxism. All these disparate groups, whether it's critical race theory and all down the line, you don't see a dime's worth of difference between these groups and what they push and what you see on Chuck Todd and and George Stephanopoulos and all the other frauds, all the other Democrats who are... uh, who are out of the closet yet dressed up in, uh, in journalism drag. All right, Bob, don't hang up. We've got a book for you, too, my friend. Let's go to Charles, Carbondale, Pennsylvania, as we travel all over the country here, the great WTRW. How are you, Charles? Oh, great, uh, Mark. Love your show. I bought eight books. Wow. Passed them out, having great success. 
Uh, one thing I'm concerned about is with this involvement with the federal government, with school districts, is it going to expand into local meetings? Is it going to expand into county meetings? We need to stop this now. Whether or not you have children in school or not, it's got to be stopped. I, I agree, and I think the way you stop it is for hundreds and hundreds of more people to attend meetings, conduct themselves civilly, of course, not like uh, American Marxists. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of more people to pour into these board meetings, uh, whether they are local government or school district meetings, and make it clear we're not going to be intimidated. And then if somebody is wrongfully uh, uh, attacked, that is uh, uh, investigated or something like that, we pull our resources nationally and we get behind that person. Again, assuming that that person conducts themselves in a proper way, because uh, that's number one. Number two, what we would do is challenge the uh, the the federal government, Department of Justice, FBI, and all the rest of it over there at DOJ, uh, they don't have any authority, none whatsoever, to be in any school building, to be at any school board meeting, period. There simply is no federal connection of any kind whatsoever, none. And so this whole thing has to be taken down, has to be taken down. And, of course, the media are ignoramuses and hard left and are all in. Because the media are all in now for tyranny. Again, pushing the American Marxist agenda. You see frauds like Chuck Todd. He's an ignoramus. Uh, George Stephanopoulos, he's a hack. Uh, D. Lemon. D. Lemon has a lawsuit against him now uh, about uh, sexual, uh, what, molestation, I guess, or something of that sort. Uh, but don't worry, he's okay, because that's what they do at CNN. You got Tubin with his pants down, you got, uh, you got D. Lemon, you got all kinds of stuff going on over there. All right, my friend, we're going to ship you a book. Don't hang up, Charles. Signed edition of American Marxism. I'll be right back. Lovin. All right, let's go to Lamar, Panama City, Florida, the great W-Y-O-O. Lamar, how are you? Wonderful. Great to speak with you tonight, Mark. Thank you. Um, loving your book. I've got it. I'm reading it. And Thank just you. so that you know, you are reaching the younger generation. My daughter is a college student. Her boyfriend and her were at the house the other night. I walked in with the book. He asked me what it was, and I showed him, and he goes, Oh, I got that about three weeks ago. So you are reaching the younger generation. My daughter and I have listened to you for five years every time we come home from dance and stuff like that. And she's always listened to you. She loved you. And I, it just surprised me that she found a boy that had the same interest she did. That's in wonderful. Her That's wonderful. I want to thank you very, very much, Lamar. You raised a wonderful daughter there. And uh, don't hang up. I want to send you a signed copy. And I want to get this in before the end of the program from our friends at the Daily Wire, Emily Zanotti. Dozens of California school children are still trapped in Afghanistan. And the Biden State Department is mum. At least 41 elementary school students from the San Juan Unified School District remain trapped in Afghanistan, the Sacramento Bee reported. And getting them out is proving an impossible task. Though Representative Darrell Issa, Republican California, says it is continually pressing the Biden administration and their State Department and Department of Homeland Security 
to assist in their rescue. 41 school children. San Juan Unified School District officials last week said 41 students were trapped in Afghanistan, a sharp increase from the two dozen or so the district had previously identified. Of the 41 kids, three were evacuated over the weekend from the war-torn country but remain overseas. Sacramento City Unified officials last week said eight students are stranded in Afghanistan. Initially, they identified just one family who the bee interviewed. Attendance records at the school uh, has uh, progressed, showed uh, more students were missing, and staff traced their whereabouts to Afghanistan. Officials at Baker Elementary School in the San Juan District say they're trying to cobble together a rescue mission. As our officials in nearby Sacramento... Why the hell isn't the FBI involved in this? Why is the hell isn't the Department of Justice involved in this? They're worried about students? The officials at the school district told the L.A. Times that they are working with congressional representatives but did not mention any coordination with the Biden administration. And Daryl Issa, who is reportedly assisting in trying to get the Biden administration to divert attention to the trapped school children and their families, told the L.A. Times that they are trying to remind the White House, DHS, and State Department daily that there are children trapped behind enemy lines under threat from the Taliban. And ISA has helped in the past in aiding, coordinating evacuations. And his office told the LA Times that Congressman and his team continue to press officials in the Biden administration on a daily basis. The State Department only say that they have assisted in repatriating about 200 individuals, giving no specifics on how many Americans remain inside Afghanistan, nor about whether there are efforts being made to evacuate kids. You believe this? We have assisted 105 U.S. citizens and 95 lawful permit residents to depart Afghanistan. These are the numbers of people whose individual departures were directly facilitated. Due to privacy considerations, we're unable to comment on specific cases. Are you kidding me? National Review's Jim Garrity noted also that a U.S. Fulbright scholar who was in Afghanistan to aid refugees is also now missing. The State Department was similarly vague on her whereabouts and any effort to pull her from Afghanistan. The Biden administration. Monitoring parents. Gathering intel on parents. That's what they want to do. Tracking parents. Special phone number to report parents to the government. The pretext is there's widespread violence when there isn't. They want to intimidate and threaten and suppress. We got a cabal. A cabal of unions, educational bureaucrats, Marxist school contractors, and the Democrat Party. And the Biden administration. That's what we have. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. I hope you'll tune in in a half hour, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll be on Hannity. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, and our brave parents and taxpayers. Thank you all. If you get a moment, run over to Amazon.com and get a copy of American Marxism for your child or your grandchild, your neighbor, or anybody else. Spread the word. See you in a little bit.